0: You're listening to the Tuesday Talks Podcast, your source for truth and innovation in the communications ecosystem, hosted by Numerical. Welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we shed light and bring truth to emerging topics in the communications industry. I'm Rebecca Johnson, founder and CEO of Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with Kevin Rupi, partner at Wiley. It's so great to have you joining us today, Kevin. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Rebecca. It's great to be here. Looking forward to the discussion.
0: So before we get started, I have to give everyone a little bit of a background uh, on what you've done, (laughs) on what you've accomplished. So it gives credit to what you're going to say and why they should really, really listen. So Kevin is a nationally recognized authority on key issues affecting the telecom industry, particularly those relating to legal and illegal robocalls. Prior to his arrival at the firm, Kevin was vice president of law and policy at U.S. Telecom, where he represented Fortune 500 companies in the wireline broadband marketplace. In that role, he frequently served as a liaison between association members and government agencies and Congress. During his tenure at U.S. Telecom, Kevin established and led the industry traceback group, which is now the FCC's officially designated traceback consortium. He also advises robocall analytics providers, voice service providers, and enterprise callers on FCC regulations and proceedings resulting from the passage of the TRACE Act. So Kevin, with all of that background and experience, could you possibly walk us through how we got to the point where we have this June 2021 deadline, like 15 days from now, around the robocall mitigation plan?
1: Yeah, no. So, that first of all, thank you for that introduction, uh, Rebecca. Uh, Thanks so much. Um, And it's been a long road. And at the end of the day, that's really how we got here. As you and I know, we've known each other for years. Robocalls really splashed onto the scene in around 2015, the FTC, the FCC, Congress started paying closer attention to robocalls and really focusing on mitigating solving this problem. And what that culminated in was in late 2019 uh, when Congress on an incredibly bipartisan basis passed the TRACED Act, okay? And, and the TRACED Act is this highly substantive legislation uh, that was passed in an overwhelmingly bipartisan manner. I think there were four dissenting votes in the House and Senate. That's it. Um, but the TRACED Act really hits on multiple areas uh, that are all focused on trying to solve this vexing robocall problems and Or this robocall problem. Um, and the key component, uh, a real key focus of the TRACED Act was this mandate that basically requires voice service providers to implement uh, the stir, shake, and call authentication standards, okay? And the way the statute was structured, it basically said, you know, within a year of passage of the Act, uh, voice service providers have to deploy the standards. Uh, And that deadline is basically June 30th, 2021. And as you noted, uh, that deadline is is 15 days away. Um, Now, what happened between the passage of the TRACE Act uh, and and where we are today, once that legislation was signed into law in early 2020, um, the FCC in particular, went through a host of rulemaking proceedings and establishing uh, various orders and regulations, many of which relate to implementation of the stir-shaken standard, uh, but also which established this robocall mitigation database and sort of the framework uh, for that robocall mitigation database. Um, And at a really high level, in, in my mind, what, what that robocall mitigation database seeks to do is uh, I view it as sort of a circle of trust. Um, because the way the FCC structured the stir-shake and implementation deadline uh, and the June 30 deadline and the database was as follows. If you are a voice service provider, if you provide voice service, and that term is broadly defined Uh, in the TRACED Act and the accompanying FCC regulations. Come June 30, you have to certify to one of two things. That you've either entirely or partially deployed the STIR, SHAKEN standard, and if you have not deployed the STIR, SHAKEN standard, then you have implemented and are following what's called a robocall mitigation plan. So. Short while back, several weeks ago, the FCC released its public notice saying we're opening this robocall mitigation database. Uh, Voice service providers have to file by June 30, 2021. They have to certify by June 30, 2021. Um, And the other piece of that database that's important and interesting is you, you have the voice service providers, which, again, broadly defined, and it's generally any entity that enables two-way voice communications, interconnects to the PSTN, and utilizes North American Numbering Plan resources, numbers. Um, You've got to register in that database. Now, you also have these transit providers that neither originate or terminate traffic. Uh, The FCC has imported all of those intermediate providers into the database and the way this structure is going to work is basically: come September 28th, if you're not listed in that robocall mitigation database, and you're a voice service provider, any other voice service provider or intermediate provider is prohibited from accepting your traffic. And and that's really important uh, if you want to provide voice service to customers.
0: Kevin, like this, this is an infamous deadline you know and this has almost become like a kill switch deadline you know all kinds of things are being said such as your calls are going to be blocked if they're not signed come july 1st which is you know, you just provided another deadline of September 28, and nobody's talking about that one, right. you know, so we're all focused on the July 1st. So as the leading industry expert, what is your response to all of this?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question, Rebecca. And there is like a fair amount of misunderstanding and misconceptions around what these various deadlines actually mean. So let's unpack that a little bit. The June 30 deadline, that is a certification and registration deadline. So if you are a provider of voice service, whether wireless, cable, VoIP, interconnected VoIP, one-way VoIP, two-way VoIP, whatever, you have to register and certify in that database no later than June 30th. And what I mean by both of those things registration and certification that certification piece is really really important because when you enter your information in the database whether you've deployed stir shaken whether you've partially deployed stir shaken uh, if you haven't but you have a robocall mitigation plan you got to certify to that to the fcc under penalty of perjury so you were basically Putting your information into the database to say, I have deployed the standard or I've implemented this robocall mitigation plan and I am following it. I, um, I,
0: I don't want to miss a point that you just made there because you yeah. really added some extra scary words. Yeah. Um, I think people are thinking that they just fill out a little piece of paper, they follow yeah. with the FCC, and they're not understanding what they're setting themselves up for. And Kevin, I kind of viewed this uh, from my privacy and security days. If I wrote a privacy policy and I published it on my website and I then have some kind of violation within my company regarding what I stated I was gonna do on my privacy violation, that was the opportunity for the FTC to come in under unfair and deceptive practices and no holds bar. I mean, you're at the mercy at that point. And we just thought, oh, well, we were told to put a privacy policy up. Uh, just put copy paste from some big company and stick it on there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Rebecca, that's a key point, because I will tell you that when the FCC established this framework for the robocall mitigation plan in particular, they did it in a very non-prescriptive manner. They didn't tell you what you had to do or how you had to do it or what the details were. That's up to the voice service provider. But what they did say is, whatever plan you put in there, it has to include, you know, detailed description of measures that you've put in place that can reasonably be expected Uh, to significantly reduce the origination of illegal robocalls. So it's got to be detailed. But to your point, whatever you put in there, you have to be following. You've got to be doing. And keep in mind for for folks who are listening now or going to listen to this later, you have to be doing that no later than June 30. Once you submit that plan and certify to that plan, you are, to your point, you're literally telling the FCC, these are the things that I'm doing. So every voice service provider has to be doing those things. They can't just do this as a book report exercise uh, and submit something in because I think you're right that that could potentially open them up, a voice provider up to, you know, potential enforcement action if indeed, their network continues or does originate illegal robocalls, and the FCC finds out that, you know, you, you the company hasn't been following uh, its detailed written procedures. So that's huge. And then, you know, but then that other piece is you are putting your company's information in there, who you are, where you operate out of, what the name of your company is, because come September 28th, you have to be in that database if you want to complete voice traffic. So definitely a lot of misconceptions. There's the June thirty registration and certification deadline. There's the September 28th prohibition on accepting traffic from voice providers that aren't in the database. So that is definitely a, a key point.
0: So, Kevin, I've been um, looking at and watching the Robocall mitigation database as it gets updated. And do you have some current stats as of, you know, just now with regards to where where is the industry saying they are? Uh, is, is it good? Is it positive? Is everybody like, yeah, we've been working on this for so long. Thanks so much for the opportunity to tell you how awesome we are. Or <laughs> are we seeing something a little bit more like, uh, yeah, we're not quite there yet? I
1: so based on the data that I, so as of right now, as of today, we're seeing just under about one thousand certifications and registrations, uh, in the database. Okay, which I, I think is a good start. And obviously, between now and June thirtieth, we're going to see you know those numbers increase certainly, hopefully, significantly. Um, and the interesting thing that you can see when you look at the data. Uh, in the database is sort of how it breaks out, right? So as of right now, there's about 100 voice providers just over who have completely implemented stir-shaken. So they don't have to worry about a robocall uh, mitigation plan because they've deployed the standard. And then there's about 500 that have done either no stir-shaken implementation Mm -hmm. or partial And they're doing and have implemented a robocall mitigation plan, and we can talk about that in a bit. And then there's, if you look at the data, there's actually one category that says NA, and that's about 400 providers. And what that NA means, those are the intermediate providers that have basically been put into the robocall mitigation database. they're not under an obligation currently to do a Robocall mitigation plan they They have no choice but to deploy the standard. Um, so they have been basically rolled into uh, the database, and that's I would say that's a a fairly accurate or a fairly positive number right now at about a thousand. But as I said, we'll we'll see that number increasing, I think significantly. Uh, in the days and weeks ahead.
0: Is there any data that you saw in there with regards to people registering that kind of stood out as, hmm, that's interesting that they're registering?
1: What do you mean by that, Rebecca? In, in term- but,
0: yeah, so so maybe people who just don't understand what the database is for, do we have foreign VSPs applying because they think there's some kind of deadline here and they just got to get their name in it so their calls go to the U.S.? Uh, you know, I, I can see like a panic mode of people just trying to yeah. Get their name on a list.
1: Well, that that's another interesting wrinkle in the FCC's framework, is that they they technically required foreign voice service providers to register in the database. Now, a lot of folks out there are probably saying, wait a minute, the FCC doesn't have jurisdiction over foreign voice service providers. Um, so what the FCC did, they acknowledged that. They said, we don't. Um, But they essentially said that if you're a foreign voice service provider and you're utilizing NAMP resources, if you want your calls completed to the United States, then you've got to register in the database. And you either have to say you deployed stir shaken or you have a robocall mitigation plan. Um, And the way the FCC framed it, they said, we're not putting the obligation on you. The obligation is on intermediate providers and domestic voice service providers here in the United States, they won't be able to take your traffic. So if you want it accepted, you need to put yourself uh, and register and certify in the database. But keep in mind, that applies to foreign voice service providers that are utilizing North American numbering resources. So, you know, it's a small subset, arguably. Uh, You know, generally speaking, Foreign providers should only in limited instances be using NAMP resources. Um, But the other wrinkle there is that technically, since the FCC can't impose a deadline on foreign voice service providers, they could theoretically certify and register as late as, say, September 27th. Now, I would certainly advise against that, um, but they're not subject to the June 30 deadline.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of the June 30 deadline, I do believe I heard that there was some kind of extensions for certain categories, uh, groups. As, uh, can you provide some insight on that?
1: Sure. So, you know, the FCC realized that when they established the stir, shaken mandate, there were certain voice p- providers that either couldn't meet the deadline or could be subject to a reasonable extension. And they set up four categories. And at a really high level, um, what those four categories are? Number one is small voice service providers, so providers with a hundred thousand or fewer subscriber lines. Th- think about like a rural voice provider, you know, with ten thousand subscribers, right? So the FCC gave small providers an automatic two-year extension. Um, the other category are providers who don't operate or don't have an IP network. Uh, As you know, Rebecca, stir-shaken requires all IP. So if you're operating a TDM copper line network, um, you get an indefinite extension. Um, The other two categories are sort of corner cases. One is a provider uh, that is going to basically discontinue their service in a year. So they get a one-year extension, but they have to discontinue their service within that year. Um, and then the fourth category and final category are providers that, that can obtain, for whatever reason, the token necessary to deploy the stir-shaken standard. As an example, a voice provider that doesn't have access to numbering resources, They um, they also can get an extension. So... That goes to the certification when those providers register and certify in the database, they'll be given an opportunity to identify which of the four categories they can avail themselves of an extension. But for any voice provider doing a robocall mitigation plan, you have to disclose the category in your plan, which extension category you have, and you're certifying to that extension category.
0: Great. So, Kevin, we've covered everything that uh, needs to be done. And I would say it's achievable. It really is achievable. Um, You got to be organized. You got to have good counsel.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sure you know where to find some. (laughs) Yes,
1: indeed.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Um, But so let's talk about what happens to those who are not taking our words of wisdom here um, and decide "Eh, it's not really that big of a deal. But what's going to happen to them? And I know you know because, uh, you know, you can go back to the U.S. telecom space here on that Traceback Group. And, uh, you know, what are they going to be doing to identify and what kind of action are the, do they intend yeah, to Yeah,
1: well, that's a great question. And and keep in mind, you know, what we talked about at the beginning of the discussion here, you know, the FCC, very non-prescriptive. But the two things they said were detailed plans that, you know, can reasonably, Be expected to significantly reduce origination of robocalls, and you got to follow those plans. So, if a voice provider fails to do any of that, um, you know, in my mind, I, I think they could potentially open themselves up to enforcement action, especially, especially if their network is used as a platform for originating illegal robocalls. Uh, You know, if if they put in a three-sentence mitigation plan that really doesn't include any teeth, they're going to have a hard time explaining to the FCC how that plan could reasonably be expected to reduce origination of illegal robocalls. So voice providers really need to think about that, and they've got to think about what they can put in their plans to reduce that likelihood, whether it's contractual terms, termination provisions, network monitoring, know your customer. Those are all things that you want to hit in your plan to make sure that you don't end up uh, on the enforcement side of this.
0: So for the executive who is hearing this podcast, because one of the listeners today said, don't take it from me, take it from the experts. They're going to want to want the summary. Give us three important points that the audience needs to know as it relates to the robocall mitigation database?
1: Sure, so I guess point one, you know, I gave a presentation on this about a month ago and my first point was don't panic, you've got time. Uh, Point one is panic, (laughs) you've got two weeks to get your plan together and get it submitted and certified through the RMD the database by June 30th. So get cracking, uh, you know, time time's a-wasting. Point number two, whatever plan you put together, you really gotta make sure it includes detailed procedures that can reasonably be expected to prevent origination of illegal robocalls. And then third and finally, comply with what you're doing. Follow it to a T because, you know, if, if you if you don't do that, uh, I think you're, you're facing some risk there.
0: All right. So with that, Kevin, uh, we actually got a lot of questions in advance um, of this uh, recording. They knew you were going to be on here. So uh, Molly, <laughs> if you would, let's, let's cover some audience questions. Okay, let's dive in. So question number one today is, have you heard any rumblings as to whether the FCC will proactively review the submitted mitigation plans and address potential inadequacies.
1: So I have not heard that, um, but I would flag that in the FCC's order establishing the robocall mitigation plans, they flagged that as a possibility. In other words, they they said, look, if if people don't put in good plans and we see that they're not having the desired effect, we may go back and, and look at this whole plan framework, including through a rulemaking. So, you know, haven't heard anything affirmatively that they're going to do that, but they've certainly left the door open to allow them to do that.
0: Okay, let's hit the second one here. Do you see any possibility that bad actors could exploit the robocall mitigation database by looking for providers who may have vulnerabilities within their mitigation plans and targeting them as a pathway to conduct fraud?
1: I I suppose potentially, um, but in my mind, I I think the illegal actors out there, um, you know, my view has always been there are there are really only a very small number of providers out there that actively participate in this space, and you know, at the end of the day, I think the bad guy robocallers know where to find these complicit voice providers. Um, and my sense is that robocallers will not use the the database as sort of a way to to ferret out potential um, providers that might be able to help them. Now that said, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. It could happen, but you know my sense is they're going to work with the providers that they already know. But their days are numbered. I do believe that.
0: So here's another really good one for you, Kevin. Have you reviewed any of the plans that have been submitted? If so, is there anything you have seen in submitted plans that jumped out to you as problematic?
1: Uh, Great question. And I guess two things I'd flag quickly are that, you know, number one, I've seen a lot of plans that are far from detailed. They're, you know, literally two or three sentences, and that's just not going to cut it. The other thing I would flag is that I have seen a couple of plans that focus on what the voice provider is doing to prevent robocalls from coming into their network. That's not what your plan has to be. Your plan has to focus on ensuring that robocalls do not originate from your network, so you know, as you move forward on this, if you think that your answer is going to be that you've deployed a robocall blocking tool on your network, um, unless it's blocking originating traffic, you've missed the mark. You've got to focus on on originating traffic.
0: So there's some other questions that came in, and um, this is going to, I think it's one we need to address. So, Kevin, there's a lot of confusion with regards to June 30 deadline. Having to do with the implementation of stir shaken signing calls, A level attestation—it's all bundled up. Um, I don't know if you've you've seen that, but but there's a lot of confusion. So there's this concept or misconception on the enterprise side that come July first, um, if my provider is not signing calls with A level attestation, then the terminating carriers are going to reject and block calls as though th- that's that kill switch that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know I can say it all day long that that's not gonna happen, but I would love to have you right. join in in this conversation and have an opinion.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree with you wholeheartedly, Rebecca. Uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, come July 1st, voice providers that have deployed the standard, they're gonna start signing calls. My view is whether it has an A, B, or C level attestation, um, especially early on, and by early on, I mean in the you know coming years, year or two, um, that really isn't gonna have any impact on the ability of a legitimate enterprise caller to make outbound calls. And what I mean by that is there is no voice provider. In fact, they're prohibited by FCC rule they cannot block a call based on attestation level alone. So, I think concerns about attestation levels are somewhat overblown, um, and I would share your your cautioning uh, on that.
0: And I think I feel like I'm to blame a little bit <laughs> because I think it was actually you're not. To blame. I, know, I think it was in one of our meetings that we had, and uh, Jim McHacken, uh from. Um, uh, Addis did a presentation on the stir shaken, and that's where I saw the attestations. And I remember I was like, "Pause, hold up, stop a minute," you know. Right. I was like, "Let's talk about what this means." And it it really is the responsibility of the service provider. This the standard was basically outlining to the point you just made about making sure that these bad calls do not originate on the network. The attestation is all about that upfront work. What do you know? Yeah. Uh, are they authorized to use the number? And the standard says what it should say, it's a local policy. Yep. So when we tie this back to your robocall mitigation plan is essentially your local policy and how you will assign you know, the A, B or C because it's your attestation of what I know about the traffic on my network. So fine, you sign your calls, you can implement stir-shaken, But if you don't know anything about who's delivering and originating calls on your network, well, hopefully you don't sign it with an A. Let's just hope you at least don't go to that level. Um, uh, To me, you're signing it down with a C. I know we call that gateway, but if you read the standard, there's some other words around it. It Basically means, I don't know. (laughs) I I got the call and I'm delivering the call. And, you know, okay, that's fine. But, you know, the due diligence on what you're doing to make sure that you're originating good traffic is really what... Uh, i see the regulators and enforcement side is really going to focus on do you just take a credit card and then that's it uh, right. and then they're up and running so um it is good i think for the enterprises to have the conversation with their service provider because i feel like that's a nice pressure on service providers to have to implement a policy so the good guys are kind of actually forcing contractual changes they're forcing these policies to be implemented because they do want to be you know have their calls signed with an a and i think that's Valid and legitimate. Um, So I I think we got good pressure coming from the enterprise side. But the concept that we're just going to cut off all calls if they're not signed with A, unfortunately, there is marketing out there that is talking to that, And we try to debunk that all the time. Um, so anyways, that's, it's an interesting diversion.
1: (laughs) And Rebecca, keep in mind, you and I have been saying for years, stir shaken does not tell you whether a call is good, bad and different or illegal, right? right? It just tells you the numbers valid and who originated it or where it came from. So even an A-level call could be a bad call, illegal.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm misarguing arguing with you about legal versus illegal, wanted <laughs> versus unwanted. We totally failed. We didn't solve it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll oh, tell you. Oh,
0: goodness. So, okay. Well, we'd like to thank all of you for joining us for another episode of Tuesday Talks. We hope to see all of you again on Tuesday, June 29th, where we'll be joined by Sam Fidel of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators to discuss the importance of fraud monitoring on The Voice Channel. Thank you.